Lord, we thank you for this evening, and even though we're interconnected through the internet, God, we know that your spirit is here with each one of us. You are omnipresent, God. You're everywhere at once, and you are connecting us as a a church as we study the word together, God. And so I pray, Lord, that you would bless your word tonight, that you would speak to us, God, that you would move upon us, Lord, that your spirit would make alive the word of God and that our attention and our hearts would be totally turned to you right now. We thank you, God, that you are here right now. We thank you in the worship. We feel your presence, Lord. And now in the word, God, through the word, may we hear your voice and may we hear you speak to us. So anoint this time, we ask this in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, people have been going crazy, right, as fear and panic and as this like survival mentality kicks in over this coronavirus. And, you know, I came across this article on how a woman in in an Australian supermarket allegedly pulls a knife on a man in confrontation over toilet paper. An article said, never mind, there's plenty supply of toilet paper there. In another incident, a student from Singapore is beaten up on the streets of London and is left with, with a fractured face. And it didn't matter that he was from Singapore and being Chinese was just his heritage. Protesters on the island of Reunion in the Indian Ocean welcomed passengers by calling them uh, this cruise ship that came in, by calling them abusive names and throwing rocks at them. No one mentioned that not one passenger on that ship was ever infected. Interesting, though, I thought this was real interesting, that the article went on to say irrational and selfish incidents like these are likely the exception, not the rule. But, and everyone for themselves appears to be growing, putting into question the world's ability to unite and slow the coronavirus spread. Now, in my mind, it can jump to another topic, and that's for another time when you mentioned the world's ability to unite, and we'll talk about that later concerning the end times. But what really caught my eye here was was hearing Uh, or the heading uh, to this article which said that this pandemic risks bringing out the worst in humanity. Well, sadly, that's what happens, right? When a crisis fills our society with panic, it it seems that that selfish, quote-unquote, and that everyone out for themselves mentality rises to the surface. And so many times, and we see this in the news lately, Many times we see the example of how the worst of times brings out the worst in people. But you know what? As we return to our verse-by-verse study through the book of Philippians, we find just how opposite in how Paul, the Apostle Paul, Timothy, his assistant, and Epaphroditus handled their situations. So what we're going to see tonight in our passage is this. When the worst brings out the best. And that's the title of our message, When the Worst Brings Out the Best. We're going to be studying Philippians chapter 2 from verse 17 through 30 tonight. We're going to finish up this chapter as we've been making our way through the book of Philippians. Now, if you're here with us the first time on Wednesday night, you can go back and catch up on a podcast. Philippians has been an amazing study for us every Wednesday. But here we are now tonight when the worst brings out the best, Philippians 2, verse 17 through 30. And this is our outline. 
uh, we're going to see three things here. Number one, the ready sacrifice. Number two, the right concern. And number three, the real servant. So let's begin with our first heading, the ready sacrifice. And what we're seeing when the worst brings out the best. So number one, the ready sacrifice. Take a look with me here now, Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to, this section is two verses now. Verse 17, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Verse 18, likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. And we'll stop right there for, for our first section. Now, we begin with Paul with these two, Paul writing these two words here in verse 17, even if. Now, those two words actually connect us back to the verse above, verse 16. If you remember when we ended last time, Paul was looking to be uh, blessed to see all his efforts in bringing the gospel to the Philippians, discipling them, raising them, that it didn't go to waste when in the end, as we stand before Christ, that the Philippian believers held to obedience and living out the word of God, living out who they are in Jesus Christ. And what was that particularly, specifically? Well, it was our title. If you remember last week, our title was Stop Grumbling. And you can catch that on the podcast if you missed that. So that would make him proud, verse 16, he says, or bring him great satisfaction. That's what that word means. In other words, yes, they made it. They did it. They lived for Christ. And that would just bless him so much. Well, as he goes on to verse 17, there's something else that will make him glad and rejoice. And it is to be, what we see here, poured out as a drink offering. That means to give his life as a sacrifice to the Lord. Now, back, back then, the priests would pour wine on top of the animal sacrifice that, that was offered on the burning altar. And actually, I was reading that it wasn't just in Jewish rituals, but also the, the pagan guys who worshiped their gods would do something similar. So some of the commentators said, you know, the Philippians probably would relate more to that, knowing that because they were Gentiles. But either way, Paul, Paul was, was putting this picture out that he was like that wine being poured out on the altar of the sacrificed animal. And when the wine came out and it hit the sacrificed animal that was hot from the uh, offering there on the fire, it immediately was vaporized, this liquid, into rising steam. And it symbolized really a sacrifice, an offering going up to God. Well, this is how Paul saw his life as he gave over his life to the service of the Lord. And notice this as he goes on in verse 17. Notice how Paul was being poured out upon the sacrifice offering of your faith, he writes here. Offering here, sacrifice offering, the word offering means service actually. And it refers to how the Philippians sacrificially served God, how? As they supported Paul. We saw back in chapter 1, verse 5, if you remember, and you can look at that, the Philippians had stood by Paul from the beginning. Later, we're going to see how they, they, they have uh, financially supported Paul, too. So they're always there for Paul, supporting, helping him out in his ministry. So all their sacrifice helped Paul give his life over to focusing on spreading the gospel. So with their sacrificial offering or service, Paul poured out his drink offering, his sacrificial service in, in spreading the gospel. And together, it made this complete team, just like 
The pouring of the wine over the animal sacrifices completed the offering to God. So that's why Paul says, you know, together, I am glad and rejoice, he says here. And so you Philippians, likewise, verse 18, should find joy in how our sacrifice together is spreading the gospel. So what we, the idea here is this, as all believers should, Paul finds joy in willingly giving his life to the Lord. And understand this, that that is whether he lives or dies. That is whatever happens. He just wants to put his all into offering himself as a sacrifice for the Lord in servants to God. Paul is ready for whatever may happen. He is the ready sacrifice. Thus our heading here. Remember where Paul is right now. Do you remember? Where is he as he's writing this letter? Where? Say it again. I can't hear you. Say it louder. Oh, that's right. I heard you. No, prison. That's right. He's sitting in prison right now. He's awaiting a hearing before Caesar and Nero, and that might not turn out good for Paul. You never know. Caesar could have a moment and off with your head or down to the lions or something. But, and I believe Paul knows this, but he is willing to go that far because he knows this is a chance to witness to the leader of the Roman Empire, share Jesus, whether he's martyred or not. So he willingly, and he has been committed all this time to give his life as an offering to God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. No wonder, right, he wrote of the example of Jesus right earlier that we studied in chapter 2. He was following Jesus' example as he wrote. Like look at verse 8, saying, And being found in human form, Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to what? The point of death, even death on the cross. So Paul served the Lord as this ready sacrifice. Anything God wanted him to do, anything God had for him, he was ready to do. And isn't this what Paul stated in Philippians, even if it meant to live or die? In uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, he said, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And then he said in verse 21 of chapter 1, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He was ready. This, this, this is his offering. This is his life he's pouring out. Or remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is what he's talking about too, and this is what he's living out. He said in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So he, he's saying, you guys, you, you know, present yourself as a living sacrifice. Well, that's what Paul did all this time. So we see this example in Paul, and this is our point. Whether his situation cost him his life or not, Paul was willing to sacrifice everything for the joy of bringing the gospel to others. Isn't that great? I'm amazed at his heart. Whether his situation cost him his life or not, Paul was willing to sacrifice everything for the joy of bringing the gospel to others. You know, just this thought made me think about the signers of the Declaration of Independence. You know, back then in the Revolutionary War, 56 men signed this historic document. And you know what? When they signed, they signed with conviction. They signed because they believed in it. And they signed knowing that it would mean a lot of heartache 
suffering in a situation in their lives. Did you know of the 56 men, five were captured by the British and tortured before they died? Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Two lost their sons in the Revolutionary Army. And another had two sons captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardship of war. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ships sunk by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debt and died in poverty. At the Battle of Yorktown, the British General Cornwallis had taken over Thomas Nelson's home for his headquarters. Nelson quietly ordered General George Washington to open fire on his own home. The home was destroyed and Nelson died bankrupt. So you see, the signers sacrificed much, but they believed in what they signed. Well, that's like Paul. He was willing to give it all up. He was willing to be in prison. He was even to, willing to be a martyr and die so he can bring the gospel to Caesar Nero himself. He was willing to do everything he can to be a drink offering poured out so people would know Jesus. Right here in front of us in these two verses, we see Paul's example. It, it, it sits right in front of us in our Bibles here tonight. Are you willing to live differently from now on? Are you willing to, be, to live a life as a sacrifice to the Lord, to follow after Paul? Are you willing to give your all to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, I'm calling out to you right now and saying this. You know why? Because I believe this is where you will find the deepest joy. Remember he said, I am glad and rejoice. You know why? It's because when we live a life like that, that's when we most become like Jesus. And that's when we most become like what we're meant to be. I was moved by what John MacArthur wrote. He said, the believer's greatest joy comes at the point of greatest sacrifice. Then he said this, because serving God is the supreme purpose of their existence. Isn't that good? No wonder, think about this, no wonder missionaries, they can live in some remote place, yeah? Uh, uh, having nothing, you know, none of the comforts of home. They, they can live in, a, in dangerous conditions, you know, where their life is on the line, but yet they have great joy, no wonder, even if they don't have much or even lose much, lose much, they still have this joy in Jesus. The world has a hard time understanding this, you guys. Because how does, how does the world think? Or how, how do we used to think? Or maybe we, we think when situations are good, hey, we're happy. We're doing good, right? But when the situation goes bad, oh, man, we're sad. We're bummed out. Life is not good. Why is that? Because happiness is based on how things are going for my own self-interest, for my convenience, right? What's working out for me? But not Paul. Paul's sitting in jail. He's in the worst of circumstances. He doesn't know if he'll live or die. He doesn't even know how long he's going to be there. He doesn't know exactly his future looks kind of dark right now. But you know what? His focus was on sharing the gospel. And it's there he found joy. Listen, as we are in these unprecedented times, with this coronavirus, we live in unprecedented times. Never before have I have seen this in, in, in my life. But let's do something different. Let's do something unprecedented with our lives. 
in unprecedented times, let's live unprecedented lives. Amen? Let's follow Paul's example by offering up our lives as a ready sacrifice to, ready in any way to share the gospel. Let's not let the situation bring out the worst in us, but the best. Let it be when the worst brings out the best. All right, let's go on here to number two, the right concern. The right concern. We've seen the ready sacrifice. Now number two in our outline, the right concern. Philippians chapter 2. Now in this section, we're going to cover verses 19 to 24, but let's look at the first four verses. Verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. We'll stop there. Now, Paul says in verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus. Now, that phrase, in the Lord Jesus, in other words, he's saying, if the Lord wills, you know what, he wants to send Timothy to the church over there in Philippi to, to see the believers over there. And why is that? Well, so that Timothy can go and that when he returns, he can cheer Paul up by telling him how the Philippians are doing. Paul really loves and cares for the Philippian believers. And, and, and remember, he's really concerned. And what really concerns him was that the church is challenged, as we've been learning, with some divisions going on, with some guys being a little prideful here. And, as I mentioned, there's a mounting persecution beginning to spread more and more throughout the empire. Now, Paul says, there was no one like Timothy, literally, that, that, that says no one of equal soul. Timothy, as many of us have learned in our study through the New Testament, is that he, he was Paul's protege. He was his disciple, his assistant there. He was to Paul, as he says in verse 22, as a son with a father. Timothy was every way like Paul as Paul had discipled him. Verse 22 also says Timothy was known as uh, Timothy's proven worth, right? The Philippians know how Timothy proved himself as he served with Paul over there in, in Philippi sharing the gospel. So here's what that we see here. The Paul, Paul wants to send Timothy over to the Philippians who already know of his character. Timothy was actually what we know is he was led to Jesus Christ and saved through Paul in Acts 14. Timothy then became a disciple, followed Paul everywhere he went. Timothy was discipled, raised up, and he became like Paul's closest assistant. He was uh, then like assigned to go to different churches, bring messages, bring things. He, he was like, you know, Paul's helper in that way. Places where Paul couldn't go at the time, Timothy went. Timothy became Paul's most faithful and trusted assistants and companions. You know, by the time Paul had written this book of Philippians, Timothy had been with Paul, listen, for 10 years now. So the Philippian church, they knew Timothy well. I mean, Paul had been through Philippi many times, and he was even with Paul when the church was first planted. So, okay, so that's why Paul wants to send Timothy, and that's why Paul could confidently say, and look at verse 20, that Timothy genuinely is concerned for your welfare. 
Timothy knows those guys over there. Timothy loves them just as much as Paul loves the church over there. The word concern for here in the original language means it expresses actually a strong feeling for someone to the point of being that it's a burden to them, a burden with care. So, so that's what's heavy on Timothy's heart is the Philippian believers over there. Timothy really cared and loved the people there in Philippi. But then look, Paul contrasts Timothy with those who oppose Paul. He, he says in verse 21, all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Remember in uh, chapter 1, verse 17a, there was those, uh, the first part, there was those who, who proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. There's, remember we talked about there's those, you know, after Paul uh, left, was put in jail, they're like putting Paul down. Look, he, God's done with him. He's in jail now. Listen to us. And, you know, they're coming in there after Paul. Well, remember those guys? They were, they were doing things out of selfish ambition for their own gain. They wanted to, you know, be in power and, and look high of in that way. Well, these are the ones in verse 21 that all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. In other words, they think of themselves. They don't care for others. Well, that was in contrast to Timothy. Timothy, we see here, was selfish, in his care for others. Whereas these others, they were more about putting themselves first before others. I thought it was interesting. Bruce Barton said in his commentary, while many believers might express concern, too often they are too preoccupied with their own activities to act on that concern. Oh, I was thinking, he says many believers here, and I think, oh, that's so true. Sometimes we're so focused on our own stuff that we don't act on concern for the others but not Timothy that's what Paul is saying here not Timothy you know what he had the right concern our heading even in this bad situation Paul's in prison we don't know what's going to happen to his life he's over there persecution is coming down you know and I was thinking Timothy is right there with Paul ministering helping that I mean who knows he was in danger too what if you know Caesar Nero's like hey you know get rid of Paul and Leah look at the guy with him to get rid of him too Timothy, though, he was still there next to Paul to serve in any way he could. So, Paul says in verse 23, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. Verse 24, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So, Paul saying, so he really cares for you. He's selfless. He thinks of you more than himself. And, you know, so I'm going to send Timothy just as soon as he sees what's going to happen to him. And Paul's like, hey, I trust the Lord. Perhaps maybe I may even be allowed to go too, to, to also maybe follow after Timothy when he goes. So whether Paul made it or not, Timothy is willing to go. For Timothy's main concern is for the Philippians, not so much himself, because he has the right concern. Take a quick look above to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 and 4. This describes Timothy, and this is really, he's living out this example. Look at verse 3 in chapter 2, right above these verses. It says in verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Verse 4, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's Timothy. So we find in Timothy this example, and this is our point. 
No matter the situation, Timothy consistently showed his genuine heart when he willingly chose to put others first before himself. Let me say that again. No matter the situation, Timothy consistently showed his genuine heart when he willingly chose to put others first before himself. You know, uh, yesterday uh, I put out this prayer request to all the prayer warriors. And, and you know, I, I encourage you guys, if you're not on the, the, the list, you know, of emails to receive emails for prayer requests, I really encourage you, especially now at this time where we can stay more connected in that way and we can be praying for each other, you know, in our church and all. Anyway, I sent out this, uh, I sent out to the church to be to, you know, to pray during this time of this coronavirus crisis. And this is what I wrote. As we enter into this unprecedented time, let us be committed to pray and pray for each other. As your pastor, I ask that you would daily lift up these requests. And I listed some requests here. Number one, pray for the health and safety of our church, Ohana, and their families. Number two, pray for God's promised provision, provision as we all begin uh, to feel the financial impact of this crisis. Number three, pray that we as a church will stay connected through the online live stream of our services. Number four, pray for people to be saved as they come to Jesus for help. Number five, pray for the strength and the peace of God to flood our hearts as every one of us uh, uh, face trying times. Number six, pray for wisdom and guidance for pastors and government leaders. Number seven, pray for those on the front lines like the healthcare workers, police, fire, and others who are daily in public contact. And number eight, the last thing, pray for our church, our island, our state, our nation, and the rest of the world. Now, in particular, as we've been talking about here, Timothy, uh, number seven, I want you to hear that again. I ask that we pray for those on the front lines like the healthcare workers, police, fire, and others who are daily in public contact. The thing is, the first responders are the ones who selflessly put themselves on the front line there. While they go to work, or the hospital workers, or nurses and doctors, that while they go to work, we're, we're at home. We're hunkered down at home. They're out there exposing themselves to the potential of catching the virus themselves. So we need to pray for them. We need to you know, lift them up in prayer for protection, especially even those in our own church who are in those fields. And you know what? That's what I see in the heart of Timothy. No matter the situation, Timothy is consistently showing his genuine heart when he willingly chooses to put others first before himself. He's out there. He's going. He's, he's going to put himself in harm's way. You know, let's remember this. Even at this, this time we're living in, during this virus crisis, let's remember to not just have concern for ourselves, but others also. You know, we are for the first time doing church differently in compliance with the state and federal government and doing this social distancing thing to keep the virus at bay. You know, we're not able to actually meet together physically but that does not mean we forget each other. We should not just be thinking of our own welfare, but others too. I mean, I really encourage you guys. I mean, text each other, call each other, check up and see, you know, how are you doing? How's things going? What can I pray for you for? You know, even if they're physically okay, but sometimes it's hard, right? During this time, emotionally or even spiritually, when we're not as connected like what we're used to. 
We need to reach out and care for each other even in the worst of time. So let's make more of an effort to creatively, maybe in ways to share our aloha and 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 when we you know in practicing this social distancing, we sh- we should be willing to figure out some ways and to do whatever we can that maybe the Lord would want us to do as we think of others first as we start to care and have concern for others as as we put self aside and we willingly put others first because you know we have god's aloha in our heart so let's be timothy's too and have the right concern even in the worst of times let the best come out all right let's go to number three now which is the real servant the real servant so when the worst brings out the best, we see the ready sacrifice, Paul's example, the right concern, Timothy's example, and then the real servant. And we're going to see this individual named Epaphroditus. So Philippians chapter 2, we're going to, from verse 25, we're going to cover the rest, rest of this chapter to verse 30. But let's first look at verse 25. Paul writes here, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. Okay, we'll stop there. And as Timothy awaits news about Paul's status before he can go to the Philippian church, you know, uh, I think we were talking about 600 to 1,000 miles away, Paul will go ahead and he's going to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi. Now, now I love how Paul affectionately, dearly, like describes him here, this individual. And you can tell that this person is very, very special to Paul. I mean, he means a lot to Paul and in his heart. First of all, Paul calls him my brother here in verse 25. He's, my, really, when he uses that word, it speaks of how close they become, how endeared he is to Paul. And this is his brother's brother in the Lord, really, he's talking about that we're close in that way. Second, he calls him a fellow worker. In other words, side by side, they labored together. They worked hard. They, they, they labored together for what? To further the gospel, the kingdom of God. He was right there with Paul, doing what Paul did. And together as a team, they were furthering the gospel. Thirdly, he calls Epaphroditus fellow soldier. Oh, I like that thought. Together, They fought the spiritual battles. They struggled through the attacks and oppressions. They went through it together and they fought the the spiritual battle against our enemy, the enemy. I like that. He was not one that struggled against Paul, but was with Paul in the spiritual battles. Fourthly, he called him your messenger. Now, that gives us a little more idea and a little more picture of of who Epaphroditus is. This was the guy that the, the, the believers in the Philippian church picked to send to Paul. And one we'll see later when Paul mentions this, but he was the one who brought the financial support that they collected to bring to Paul to help him while he's in prison. You know, back then, the prisons are like, you're just thrown in this dungeon, basically. And friends and family, they're the ones that come and feed you. They're the ones that kind of take care of you there. And, and so here's the Philippian church. They sent uh, Epaphroditus to take their, the financial gift to Paul to help him in the ministry. Uh, so 
Also, Epaphroditus is believed to be the one who carried this letter that Paul's writing back to the Philippian church so that it could be shared with the believers over there. And lastly, Epaphroditus was the one who the Philippians sent to, Paul says, minister to my needs, to minister to Paul's needs. Now, here's another uh, insight into Epaphroditus and why the church sent them. It wasn't just to bring the financial support, but they sent Epaphroditus to stay with Paul, to be with Paul, to help him, to actually stay and help him out in any way, to in the ministry and furthering the gospel and encouraging him, just to be by his side. It was like all the Philippians couldn't go. So you know what? They sent Epaphroditus to be with Paul, representing the whole church. So Paul's like, and your messenger, and you know what? And, and, and the one who ministered to my needs. How special is that? That Epaphroditus was used greatly to minister to Paul, even with the things he went through. So he came just to serve Paul. So here's the thing. Paul now planned to send Epaphroditus back, even though he was such a help and encouragement to Paul. You know, in all my years of doing ministry, I see it over and over again, how God takes the best servants. And I, I think that was Epaphroditus. I think he was, a, he was like, you know, the one when the church needed to choose who to send to Paul and help him out. Hey, he was the standout right there. And, and, and it was God. God had raised him up. God had discipled him. And I've seen that over and over. It seems as, as God disciples people, raises them up, he prepares them to be used of God, they, they become like the best servants in the church. And that's Epaphroditus. And I've seen that over and over. Then in God's timing, you know, in their growth, and at a certain point, then God calls them out to serve somewhere to help spread the gospel even more. And we know, right, as a church family, we know we can think of Lane and Uncle right now. That's what the Lord did with them. We loved them. They were, you know, so on fire for Jesus, are so on fire for Jesus. And, and it was like God came and picked the best servant that he raised up. He raised up here, got it ready. When it was time, poof, took him to uh, Japan. And by the way, uh, they are right now in Miyako Island. Just a few days ago, they moved there. And so keep them in prayer as they are now moved there. They're in their little apartment getting established. And pretty soon, uh, in the Lord's will, according to the Lord's will, they're going to be starting their Bible study. So keep them in prayer. Well, so it is with Epaphroditus. He was the best one. And so he came to Paul. But now Paul's ready to send him back. So Paul says, he's sending him back, and look at verse 26. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, verse 27, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So, Paul is sending him back, not, not because he did anything wrong now. Remember, they sent him to help Paul and then, you know, no, go back, you know, but it's not like he did anything wrong. No, he's distressed, it says here, over uh, 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 what the Philippians are thinking. He, he wants to let them know that he's okay. Why? Because Epaphroditus got sick. He almost died and they had heard about them. But as Paul said, God had mercy on him and uh, 
Paul also, it was a mercy on him too because it would have been sorrow upon sorrow how special he was to Epaphroditus. So Paul wants to send him back to reassure the Philippians that they may rejoice to see him that he's okay, that he's well, that he's healthy. So he, in Paul's side, he didn't want them to worry too, so he's willing to let Paphroditus go. And I think it's working out for Paul because then he could take the letter back while Timothy is waiting to see what's going to happen to Paul. So, verse 29, Receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Now, here we get the full picture here, right? As Paul finishes up here in verse 29, 30, we finish this chapter, we get the full picture of how Epaphroditus got sick, so sick, he nearly died. And you know why? Because of the work of Christ. He put his all into serving Jesus. He risked his life in order to serve and help Paul and be there for him and to fulfill the mission that the Philippians had given Epaphroditus to do, to go to Rome and help Paul. He risked his life. The word risk here means to throw aside. He put his life on the line. He put it to the side just to serve the Lord. And it was all what? To complete what was lacking in your service to me. In other words, to do for me what you guys couldn't do, being so far away. So, you know, here's the picture I get. He probably worked so hard. He probably served so hard that, that maybe he started getting sick. You know, like we wear ourselves down and our immune system goes down. Maybe he started to catch something here, but he did not hold back. He kept going, serving the Lord. He pushed himself. He pushed his body. And, and, but it was all for the Lord. He went the distance for God to serve the Lord and help Paul there. Well, no wonder Paul says in verse 29, honor such Men. I love that. Paul made sure to say that now that Epaphroditus, he did nothing wrong, but he actually did the opposite. When things got hard, Epaphroditus worked harder. And so the character we see here of Epaphroditus shines of what a true servant of God is. He is the real servant, and thus our heading here. Warren Wiersbe adds this, Epaphroditus sacrificed himself with no thought of reward. And Paul encouraged the church to hold him in honor to the glory of God. I like that. You know, I, that kind of completes the picture for me in this hardworking, uh, a dedicated servant of God, uh, helping Paul out there, being in Rome, doing, helping Paul with ministry, doing different things as much as what Paul could do. I like that. That, that Epaphroditus wasn't there for the reward. He wasn't there for himself. He wasn't there to, you know, selfish ambition, anything like that. But purely to serve the Lord. Purely to serve God. To do everything he could for what the Master, his Lord, told him to do. The Lord Jesus Christ. And to be a blessing and encouragement to Paul. Well, you see, Epaphroditus is an example for us too, right? This is our last point. Even in struggling with his health, Epaphroditus still went the distance to serve the Lord. That, that's what I see here as we're studying this, we're seeing and getting this full picture of this guy. And he's not mentioned, I think, other than right here. And we don't know too much, but we know enough that even in struggling with his health, Epaphroditus still went the distance to serve the Lord. He did everything he could there, no matter what, no matter the situation, no matter the crisis. He put his life on the line. 
You know, last Sunday, um, Jared, he shared with me this uh, true story uh, about this elderly man. And um, I, I, uh, Jared sent me a link and I, I saw the post here. But uh, let me tell you that what, what happened was there was this elderly man that came into the CVS store and, and he approached the counter with his walker and, as, and asked the cashier if they had toilet paper for him and his sick wife. And he came up to the counter because he didn't want to go all the way down the aisle. You see, they had run out of toilet paper and they had been going from store to store to store, but only found empty shelves. The elderly man, uh, this, this young man was writing, he was on the brink of tears when he came up to the cashier, who the cashier told him, unfortunately, they're not going to get any more toilet paper until next week. Well, this young man who wrote this post, he stepped out of line and offered to help him. The elderly man was, was kind of taken back, but he was eager to get help because of how long he'd just been driving around and going from store to store. And he, he really wanted to get his sick wife back home from already this long day. So this young man, he walked the elderly man back to the car, put his walker in the car, saw his wife was waiting with this oxygen tank, and he exchanged numbers, got the address, and sent them home. And you know what? This young man, he drove around to four more stops until he tracked down some toilet paper. He bought one for himself and two for them. And when he dropped them off, they, were, they had been already fell asleep napping, so he left it at the door and, and put a voice message on his phone. Well, the next day, the elderly man called back and thanked the young man, and the young man said, hey, anything else you want, I'll, I'll, I can help you. And this young, young man, the writer of this post said, I lost track of the, uh, of the number of times he said, thank you and God bless you. This elderly man said to him. Well, the elderly man did call him in a few days later and he took, up, took him up on his offer and, and tell him, oh, I don't think we should leave the house, you know, in the middle of this whole virus crisis. And he asked for a few items from the grocery store and the young man wrote, my heart broke for them. This young man, his name is actually Adam Lucas, wrote, now more than ever, we need to look out for one another, especially those who already have a hard time just providing the things they need to make it through the day. Then he went on to say this, this really reminds me that simple kindness can really change the world. I will continue to navigate through life this way. I think that that's an amazing story. You know, out of all the bad ones, here's a great story. Like Epaphroditus, this, this young man went the distance. Even going out in the middle of this health crisis, you know, uh, uh, going in, and going to several stores and going out to help someone else in that way. And I, I, that's Epaphroditus here. That's example we have. We see Epaphroditus even struggling with his health Epaphroditus still went the distance to serve the Lord. Now, listen, I'm not saying go around and serve even if you're sick, right? Don't infect anyone during this time. But I'm saying in this difficult situation, let us be willing to be true servants of God, to work hard, to, to, to apply ourselves, to do what God is asking us to do and helping each other, ministering to each other, caring for each other, and not just serve ourselves. Well, that's when we make a difference. During any crisis, you know, it, it, everyone's like out for themselves, right? I mean, it's easy, our fear, panic, uh, uh, we gotta make sure we're okay, you know, if we, 
we're not supposed to go out for, for 15 days now and then maybe 30 days and what are we going to do, food, there's stuff off the shelves, all this stuff. And we start thinking about, of our own survival, right? And that's like naturally human for us to protect ourselves and our family and all that. Well, let's do that, but let's not forget, right, those who are in need. Let's not forget that there's, there's maybe there's some elderly people that they shouldn't go out. Maybe we should help them out. Maybe we should give them a call, see if they need anything. That Maybe while they're out, you know, we can grab. What, whatever that is, I believe we need to be Epaphroditus's too. That even struggling in this health crisis, that we can go the distance to serve the Lord. And that's how we shine the light of Jesus in such a dark situation. Let's be who we are as believers. I want to close with this quote by uh, D.L. Moody. He said this, Character is what a man is in the dark. Isn't that good? Character is what a man is in the dark. And I'm thinking about our character as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, to be like Paul, to be like Timothy, to be like Epaphroditus, it's going to shine out. It's going to go out in these dark times that we live in, unprecedented times that we live in. But you know that's an opportunity for us to share the gospel, to shine the light. So, in these trying times, or any trying times, I should say, what comes out? What comes out of you? You know, let us be what God wants us to be and let that come out. Let us be what God is making us out to be. Remember just a few weeks ago, we were talking about earlier in the verses about working out what God had worked in. Let that come out of who we are in Jesus Christ, of this new creation, of the love He pours out in us. Let it pour out on others. Let us be what God wants us to be so that we find this to be true of us when the worst brings out the best. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word tonight, God. It encourages us, Lord. It motivates us. It comforts us and it speaks to us, Lord. And I pray that we would take these things and we would follow the example of Paul, Timothy, and Paphroditus, that we would even look to what you did, Jesus. In the crisis of man's failure and sin, you gave of yourself, Lord. You went the distance. And God, let us do the same. Let us serve you, God. Lord, yes, we want to be saved. Yes, Lord, we want to take care of ourselves and our home and our health. And that's important. But let us not neglect what you would want us to do. And if you call us to go out, take some chances, protect us, Lord. Keep us health, healthy, Lord. And help us to help others, Lord. And so, God, we look to you for your strength and your power. And we pray, God, that you would work, Lord, in this time in us, through us, God. And I pray for your healing hand to be upon our island, our county, our state, and our nation and the world right now, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being here. In your name, amen. Let's worship the Lord.